Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Another chance to sit down and chat up with you guys and release an episode another week. Grateful to do that. Thanks for being here. Um, This week, we're talking with Iowa Whitetail. Iowa underscore Whitetail. Um, That's where you guys can find him. Uh, awesome dude. Um, I've been following his social for a while and, uh, he's a very, very skilled whitetail hunter, land management, um, kills giant age class deer, um, traps, does all kinds of stuff, but he has a lot of posts of just, uh, just him talking about certain things, you know? Um, and uh, I always seem to agree with, you know, what he's saying, the topics he's covering and the way he's covering it. I always kind of think the exact same. Um, so I'm excited to chat with him. And uh, we're going to go over kind of a controversial topic, um, and that's uh, the laws and regulations. So we're going to have one of those conversation podcasts where we sit down and we talk about um, how some people try to sneak in laws and regulations without people knowing um, that can really impact your deer herd um, and how this is going on every single year in, in multiple different states. And a lot of people, just a lot of hunters just aren't aware of it. Um, so we're going to go over kind of what's going on in Iowa, what bills they've already tried to pass this year, um, and ways to kind of get ahead of this and figure out what's going on in your state and how you guys can be active in it. He's very active um, going to, you know, um, the the Capitol and fighting for these, these laws not to get passed on a lot of instances, um, which something that I don't even think about. And it's one of those conversations that, need to be had you know i think you know if you're hunting for a long time um and you want this to be around for your kids and the next generation you have you need to be active and you need to at least kind of know what's going on um so this way we're gonna be able to chat with him and, and be able to get the insight on how we can be active i mean if you don't have the time to be active at least you can kind of know what people are trying to get past in your state um like i said we're going to talk about iowa pretty heavily because that's where he's from um, but before we get into that, you guys know the drill. We got another people that make this possible. Starting off with Exodus Outdoor Gear. 
Um, as you guys know, they released the new uh, Rival A5 um, and uh, better image quality. Um, you can tell that right away. Better battery life. Got to be able to link with the app. Um, but what I also wanted to chat with you this week about that a lot of you guys might know about Exodus, might not know about Exodus, is the amount of content that they have out, um, knowledge-based content, not only about trail cams, but just hunting in general. Um, they have full videos out uh, about trail cams, how to set them up, best ways to get battery life, solar panels, anything that you would want. So maybe you don't even want to purchase something from Exodus. Maybe you do, um, but uh, you can you could reach out or to go to their YouTube and Instagram, wherever, and watch these videos and learn from them before you make a purchase of maybe another camera or make a purchase or make a move hunting. I mean, they have they have so many podcasts. YouTube videos out. It's insane how much content they've created over the years. So make sure and check them out on Instagram. Check out their podcast, Trail Cam Radio. If you're into podcasts, um, it's it's not one that you want to miss. I listen to it all the time, and uh, always find good insight in it. Um, next, we got Rec Broadheads. Um, you know that they came out with a new head this year, the XHP, the big dog. Um, one thing that I like um, is they kind of uh, tilted the edge down on that that uh that the blades and they made the blades very thick for that big of a mechanical to to make sure you don't have that blade failure um but they they tilted the head down to aid in penetration um which I think is really cool so you're going to get that secondary cut with that tilted heads and they still have that big tip the tip that got me to go to them in the first place um that I really like um so make sure and uh, if you do want to get your hands on some or check them out, you can go to their Instagram. It's rec underscore broadheads. Um, they have been out for multiple years now. They were kind of a newer company, but they're growing rapidly. Um, so reach out to them. Go to their Instagram. And uh, if you need some broadheads, make sure you code WLP. That'll save you 15% at checkout. Also, for Exodus, forgot to mention, use code WL. That'll save you money at checkout as well. Um, next but not least, I got to shout out my boy Tony from John Archery. He's uh, getting those bow strings ready for me right, right now. If you guys, this is the time of year that you need to neck down and purchase those strings and uh, get them on your bow. You know, if they're kind of looking frail, they're kind of looking uh, kind of looking weak, you don't want to have that failure during season um, when you're trying to shoot or anything like that. So this is the best time to get your strings. So, um, that would be at Drawn Archery. Um, Tony, good buddy down there. Um, he'll hook you up. He's making some custom strings for me. And, uh, you know, another one of those guys that I just want to, you know, not an ad read, but just want to support the dude. He, he's kick-ass dude. Um, next is First Form. So, got something new for you guys. If you've been checking out the First Form over the few weeks, and, uh, you know, I always hit you with the challenge of the week. And uh, they brought out something new that I can do for the podcast, which I think is pretty cool. Um, if you use my code, which if you message me anywhere, you can use my code. Um, I'll send it directly to you what product you're interested in. Um, if you do find something that you want, um, you're going to be able to get a free one-month access, free 30-day access to the First Form app. Um, what the First Form app is, is it's a meal tracker. Um, it's a workout tracker. It has a ton of workouts on there. has uh, content, motivational content on there. It's a very good fitness app that a lot of people use. I use personally as well. And uh, if you use my code, you're going to be able to get free, free 30 days on that app. 
Uh, so that's something that's cool. Um, and like I said, if, if you want to want to get that code, it is in my link tree, or you can reach out personally, email, message, text message, Instagram, um, Facebook, whatever you need to do to get a hold of me, I will get that code out. If you're interested in some pre-workout, I'll send you a direct code. If you're interested in protein, protein bars, energy drinks, um, T-shirts, whatever you're interested in, um, they're going to have it. If you want to get your vitamin game stepped up, if you want to get some greens, some reds, whatever you need, First Form's going to have it. I'll be able to help you through it. Um, don't be afraid to reach out. Um, if you want to you know, get your fitness up, get your nutrition up, um, I'm here to help you. Call out of the week. All right, this is the big one. This is a hard one, guys. This is it. I've been doing some cool ones, some unique ones, um, and this is for the dads that are right there that are thinking about it all the time, struggling. The moms, if you're listening, that are struggling, that are thinking about it, they're, they're, it's in the back of their mind. They're like, man, I need to do something. I want you to get one workout in this week. I know for some people, you're like, oh, that's easy. But while you're working it out, I want you to go hard. For those guys that are girls that are in the gym, I want you to have one workout this week where you just give it your all. You just go max. Um, and you feel like you're exhausted when you leave that gym or you leave your garage or you leave the run or whatever you do. I just want you to go hard during that workout. For those of you that are not working out right now, that want to get started, I want you to go through the doors. I w if you don't have a gym membership, I want you to do push-ups, sit-ups, jumping jacks, go for a jog, go for a walk. I want you to get active. You don't have to go hard. I just want you to get into the door, get that feeling of how it, how it feels after you get that workout done. Um, don't put it off. You've been putting it off and putting it off. Don't do that. Um, get in there and get one workout this week. It's Wednesday. You still have lots of days all the way till Sunday. Get one. But for the guys and girls that are working out, um, I want you to go one hard. And I want you the whole time be like, this is it. This is the one. I'm going, I'm going hard as shit right now. And I'm going to make it, make it count, you know, and uh, push past your limits a little bit. Um, so that's the call out of the week. Um, like I said, you can get a free 30-day membership to the uh, the First Storm app if you use the code. Don't be afraid to reach out. I'll help you out. Here we go. Let's get into the show. All right. Blessed with having Skip Sly on tonight from Iowa Whitetail. How you doing tonight, brother? Good. Just walking in the door, and like I told you, I'm, I'm about shot today. Physical <laughs> labor, and I'm ready to just crash. <laughs> nice. Well, We'll, we'll make this short and sweet and get the info out that the people need to hear. I appreciate you coming on to the show. Um, before we get into the goods, um, do a brief introduction of who you are and kind of what you do. Uh, so Skip Sly, live in Iowa. I'm 45, got a couple kids, a uh, daughter and a son. Um, grew up in Michigan, moved here about 20, maybe 25 years ago. Um just been eaten up with outdoors my whole life nobody in my family hunted so i was just always that outdoor kid though uh and just getting hooked on hunting was kind of um just a lucky thing that i stumbled across and you know whatever i do i just do it very very intensely uh i only have one speed so when i got into hunting i got hooked hard um and i love seeing other people get hooked into hunting because it keeps so many kids out of trouble and there's so many good and pure things from it. So, um, being that I loved it so much, I always wanted to find better experiences and I always wanted to, to you know, once I realized that there was better hunting around the country, I started traveling and you know, long story short, 
uh, when I was maybe 12 till the time I was 21, I was saving for land. And while I was doing all this traveling, I realized Iowa was the place I wanted to be. So right when I graduated college, I bought a farm, um, learned how to fix farms up very, very quickly and just, you know, got thrown into that mix on, you know, rehabbing a farm A to Z and I've owned countless farms now and, uh, I'm pretty well done as far as, you know, having my home farms and the farms I'm going to keep forever. Um, so now it's, uh, you know, I'm still eating up with stuff. I'm 45. I still love it. I absolutely love it. Um, there's just, you know, different stages on, you know, getting other people hunting, bringing them out, um, fixing some of the things I think that are wrong in the hunting industry and the hunting world, um, you know, supporting the things that are right, uh, and just, you know, continue to grow this movement. And now it's, you know, it's not about me. I'm set. Now I want to serve and help people and, you know, give back to all the things, you know, I've been blessed beyond belief. And now it's my time to genuinely give back without a, without a hidden motive. So that's my intro. What else you want to know? Nice. nice. I, I highly suggest anybody to follow his Instagram. Um, not only filled with tons of knowledge, but also killing absolute giant bucks out there in Iowa, high age class, um, giant bucks. Um, really entertaining. Like I said, I relate to a lot of stuff that you talk about. Um, really cool to see your boy out there killing deer. I got a boy that's just starting, you know, and, uh, we're going through the process of that. So very cool to see that. Um, but the main reason I wanted to have you on tonight is to talk about, um, the hunting laws and regulations that you've been a part of, um, this, the beginning of this year, um, mainly because I feel like a lot of these laws, probably a lot of even Iowa state residents have no idea that they're even put up, um, as a bill, um, and I, Correct. And, and they're like some major impact bills. Um, so I wanted to have this podcast not only for Iowa residents, but for everybody to kind of say, hey, maybe I need to look at what is going on in my state and make sure there isn't any bills like this coming along um, that could really change the outlook of hunting, not only for me, but for my kids and grandkids. Um, so just kind of break down, um, maybe break down the laws that you kind of were going into one by one. Um, and then kind of how you got associated with being a part of it. So being across the country, I saw good laws and bad laws. Um, regulations and conservative regulations uh, are what makes, that's what controls the quality of hunting. You know, there's, there's micro level stuff where people form co-ops, people agree, hey, we won't shoot these deer, people restrict access, and that's their way to circumvent the government but rate tight regulations define quality hunting that is why iowa is as great as, as it is today it's why kansas is good both could be better both have problem regulations and then you just go down that list of the different states and you go okay how does this state compare to the neighbor and and if you've spent a lot of time in these states like i have and like a lot of people i know you can do that with every state and you can say okay you know, whatever, pick an example, Indiana, how's that compared to Michigan? It's, it's insanely better than in Southern Michigan has premium habitat. Why is Indiana better? Well, they have a one buck rule. You know, you just start going, why doesn't Michigan have one buck rule? Why they have two bucks, uh, and everything goes, you can use everything known to man. And so just go across all these lines. And Iowa's was the same way. You go across all of our neighboring lines and it goes downhill. Kansas, you go to Kansas and then you go, across into Missouri, 
hunting goes downhill. You go to the north in Nebraska, hunting goes downhill. So you can see case examples where one state is, is far better than the other, uh, bordering it. Ohio would be another example. Not without its problems. Absolutely not. But Ohio is going to be better than any of the neighboring states. Very, very simple. It has a late gun season, and it's a one-buck rule. I mean, this is not complex stuff. And you go, better than all the neighbors? Yes. All the neighboring states. Significantly better. Um, so once I got, once I really, my eyes were opened after decades of just being in different states, um, I realized, you know, other states could copy the good states. It's, you know, there's no patent on good ideas, right? Um, and, you know, it's like if I were a state in the, in the Southwest, I would look at, you know, California and Texas and I'd be like, which one do I want to replicate for regulations for, for, you know, attracting businesses? Well, I'd, I'd rather copy Texas. Why? Because all the businesses are fleeing California. Why? Because they have bad regulations. It has nothing to do with, you know, the geography, the climate, nothing, nothing. It's, it's all government regulation driven and, and regulations are the end all be all you can you can form co-ops you can tie up ground you can lease ground you can improve the habitat but if the regulations suck your state by definition will always be um taken out at the knees and your potential will always be devastated so i just got tired of seeing that and i left all these other states you know i was in illinois and i hunted skylar fulton and joe joe davies or joe davies whatever it is uh, up in the Northwest and I hunted in Illinois and I watched the outfitters and, um, the non-resident tag allocation go basically wide open. And I watched that state get ruined in five years. And I'm like, Holy cow, this went downhill really fast. And I mean, it was bad. And I said, I'm done. I'm not going back to Illinois. And I, this was over like 20 different farms. I had permission on, I mean, it clearly, lost permission on most of them to leasing and you know you had to pay to play to do everything there but i said i'm done with illinois and to this day i've, I've never been back there and i realized you know there's some ebb and flow it kind of gets better in some pockets and you know things things shift a little bit but really i i don't know that i could even go back to illinois well i looked at all the stuff where they just sold out they just said no it's all about money it's all about this group. It's all about this special interest. Well, then I went and I started paying attention to Iowa. And I noticed all these groups, little tiny groups, but they had money. And they wanted something from Iowa. They wanted to get their weapons approved. They wanted this special season. They wanted more tags for this. They wanted tags for outfitters. They wanted, just go down the list. And I went, wait a minute, guys. We have less than 8% timber in this state, less than 8%. We have the smallest deer herd in the Midwest. We're under half a million deer. All of our neighbors have more deer than we do. All of our neighbors have more habitat than we do. Why do we keep getting all this, this um, infire from all these special interests, a lot of them that are out of state, like the crossbow companies, stuff like that? Well, we're the last holdout. We're the last great state that they want to exploit. So I saw all these people that just wanted to exploit our state. And my position was just, no, we're not for sale. Don't ruin our state. You've ruined every other state for the most part. 
Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, down the line. They've ruined most of the states. And I'm like, no, you're not going to ruin our state. And thank goodness uh, I got connected with the Iowa Bull Hunters Association and got to have an extremely good relationship with them. And I just said, how can I help? What can I do? And I've just worked with them hand in hand. And um, they, they have protected Iowa for decades. So anybody's listening, if you're from Iowa, you have to join Iowa Bow Hunters Association. But Iowa Bow Hunters Association needed a lot of help. I mean, you know, they needed more members and, and they got them now. They got them. But, and they needed another organization because they were, you know, it was like David versus Goliath and there was five Goliaths. Well, we basically increased the size of the IBA. We increased the lobbying presence. And then another group was started, the Iowa Sportsman's Club, which is to be, you know, different, but another organization to stand up for hunters. And that was formed by a group of guys in Iowa, regular working guys, not a lot of money. Um, just a passion for it and a drive, and they formed that group, uh, and they hired a lobbyist. Again, not a lot of money for this. Uh, very doable. And, you know, they've been going full steam at all these bad bills and supporting the good bills and getting some good bills in. Um, and I've just been – I'm just kind of the guy that's like, what can I do? How can I help? I work with all of them. I work with, you know, Iowa Bow Hunters Association, Iowa Sportsman's Club, I work with – I will work with the lobbyists for the DNR. I will work with the lobbyists for Ducks Unlimited. I will work with the lobbyists for Iowa um, Conservation Alliance. Um, down the list, I mean, I have relationships with all of them, and now I have relationships with every legislator. And it was not – or most of the legislators. This was not hard. This was just doing a little work, being passionate about it, knowing what you're doing, um, and spending a little bit of time on it. It's not it's not a huge amount of my time, but this is this is one way I can serve and I can make sure that the special interests do not exploit our state and do not ruin our state like they have the others. And and we we have some problems, you know, I mean, there's some things like we have four and a half months of hunting season here. Um, seven, seven hunting seasons, six plus weapon choices as it is. Uh, with less than 8% timber, well, I would say the pendulum has swung too far liberally to like, really, do we need four and a half months? Do we really have to do this much killing? You know, our deer harvest is down half of what it was since 2005. You know, we're, we're annihilating the deer. Um, so we've got problems too, and, and we want to fix them. And we will fix them, and we are fixing them. And right now it's legislative season, and, you know, we've done this, I've done this like, actively for two years now like where i go to the capitol and then it's been five ten years i've been involved with it by ten years um but two years actively working at the capitol and kind of you know i'll go to subcommittee meetings or help this this group or whatever whatever people need i'm just hey let me know how i can help and i'm here at the, you know you name it um input on bills debating bills um fighting the bad ones supporting the good ones what are the good ones? Defining that. In, uh, you know, last, and then I'll get off my long, long tangent, uh, and we can check back. But, I mean, last, you know, um, I want Iowa to get better, but we have a lot of what we fight against 
is this this overwhelming pressure to overrun our state because everybody is fleeing broken states. They're fleeing broken systems, and they want to come to Iowa. And if I want to come to Iowa because my state's ruined, I might hire a lobbyist. I might say, hey, give me this way to get a tag. Give me more tags to your state. Well, we can't take these people on. I mean, our residents are losing access left and right. It's a huge problem. Huge problem. They have nowhere to go. Even archery season, it's packed. So, you know, so my message is, listen, I'm, I'm an Iowa resident. I'm going to protect my state. My ask is, folks, fix your own states. And there's ways to do it. There's processes to do it. This is not complex. And it must happen. And my selfish interest is fix your own states, not because I'm going to go hunt there. It isn't. It's so they, maybe it can take a little pressure away from my state because all these people from Wisconsin, Minnesota, even Missouri, even Illinois. I mean, I got neighbors from Illinois. All these other states just want are, are pressuring the last great resource, us in Kansas. And, and I have a little wake-up call for the folks in Kansas. You're, you're being bombarded, whether you realize it or not. Your, your ground is being locked up big time at rapid pace from these people fleeing these broken systems. Armies of people in these high-populated states where the hunting has gone down the tubes, they're fleeing to places like Kansas or Kentucky or Illinois or Ohio. And, and I have plenty of problems with Illinois, but it's still leaps and bounds better than a lot of these other broken states. So you guys are going to get inundated. I mean, I don't even need to ask you. I, we haven't had this discussion, but if I asked you, hey, a lot of stuff leased up by you, a lot of stuff owned by non-residents, I already know the answer. Yeah, that's everywhere. What, yeah. What's the answer? I mean, yeah. I already know what it is. Yeah, every, everything's all, leased, yeah. Well, think about it. Think about it. They're coming to your state and my state in Kansas and even northern Missouri and whatever, and they're leaving sometimes t- 10 to 15 hours, five, 5 to 15 hours. They're leaving states with more deer, more habitat, and more potential, especially like the southern tier of Wisconsin, the southern tier of Minnesota, the southern tier of Michigan. They're leaving states that have better habitat, better a better makeup, uh, more deer to come to states with less habitat, less deer, I mean, especially Iowa. Kansas fits into that as well. Uh, and they're driving 5, 10, 15 hours, and, and they're spending $500 for a tag to do it. Well, why they, they, if they didn't have a necessity to do that and their own state was fixed, they wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And these states will collapse at some point um, if these other states don't fix some of their problems, which are very, very simple. That's the thing. Some of the things these states could do, I, I understand we're dealing with the bureaucracy and we're dealing with government officials and we're dealing with just a broken, stubborn generation. Um and some stubborn people, but these things can be fixed and they are not complex, like shifting a gun season back 14 days on the calendar. Yeah, that would be huge. That's simple. Yeah, that'd be great. It's simple and it's giant. It's giant. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, everything is leased up and what's the, what a lot of people don't understand is the stuff that isn't leased up. There's a reason it's not leased up because the deer hunting probably isn't as good. You know, the good, big, giant blocks of timber, go ask someone if you can if you can hunt an 80 for free. 
or you know, hey, do you mind if I? It's either there's either a whole family on it, then they've got the permission because there's very limited, or it's leased up, and people are paying insane amounts of money for you know 160 acre blocks, like where you know a normal guy can't even come remotely close to competing. Um, and like you said, a lot of it's either a club that has out-of-state hunters that will say, hey, find me a lease, I'll pay for X amount of it, and you guys can hunt it too. And that's making it easier for them to, to rope this ground in because they have these monies from people from North Carolina, you know, Michigan, that are pitching in and coming down here and hunting a week. They said, hey, you know, I'll pay X amount, you set the stands up, you do everything, um, and then they're able to lease the ground. Um, when you know these guys don't have the money to lease it by themselves, but they have all these other people coming in to hunt. Um, that okay, so, happens a lot around here. So you're, expa- you're explaining succinctly pay-to-play and yep. the direction of hunting. Yep. And I've leased ground before. I've bought land before, so I'm a hypocrite, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, part of, I'm part too, of the yeah. problem. Yeah. We're, we're all part of the problem. And some people would say, well, I hope more people quit. They are. You're getting your wish. More people are quitting. And and people like, well, it doesn't seem like it. There's tons of people. Yeah, it's because more people are locking up ground and saying nobody goes out here. And then these people are getting displaced into the, the smaller pieces and public land. So there's a perception among the public that there's more hunters than ever. There actually isn't. There's less hunters. They're just packed into the regular everyday ground, and the everyday ground gets ruined. You know, it's, it's a downward cycle. Well, here's what I would ask people that say, I want less hunters. I want people to quit. Um, you know, uh, that that's capitalism. And, and it is. I don't mind p- if people lease. It's just, it's gotten past this line, this magic line of like, come on, man, really? Is this really what we want with the direction of hunting? Is this where we want it to go? And I would say this to anybody who has that mindset. Think of yourself from 12 years old to about 24 or maybe 22 or whatever, maybe when you graduated college. Most of those people, and you can envision, the ones that are serious, that are captivated with it, that love it, um, you you could not have gone out at that age and been like, yeah, here's $5,000 for hunting lease, 2,000 bucks. I couldn't have spent hardly maybe 1,000 bucks. I mean, I couldn't even have done that. So, you know, from 12 years old, to 21 there is a group of those hunters who will be the next stewards of the resource will be the passionate hunters will take our sport forward will will pass the torch on to the next generation after and we're pushing that group out by making it pay to play and there is you know there's some knuckleheads in every group every age group and there's some knuckleheads in the younger generation and i was probably a knucklehead when i was you know 12 to 22 you know didn't know I mean, when I started, it was a horrible hunter, but, you know, I, I was very passionate. I would say getting passionate people who can enhance the resource, who can improve habitat, that can, you know, strive to have balanced age structures and, and balanced ecosystems and stuff like that. That's great to have more of those people around. And if we keep going down this road, we are going to push those people out. We will push the, the, those hunters out of this sport. Hunters will quit. They are quitting, and we have to reverse this trend. And what I would say to somebody um, who, you know, I'm 45, and I would say to somebody, anybody my age, and I would, whatever age, it, I guess it doesn't even matter. 
if you look at the direction of hunting in the last 20 years, the trends on access, maybe how the you know deer populations are wiped out in some areas, and, and there, don't get me wrong, there's areas with high deer densities and problems and people like the farmers want to kill them, but, but there's a lot of areas that have been wiped out for deer, and there's a whole lot of reasons for it. But a lot of it has to do with government regulations and aggressive tag quotas and whatever, you know, wolves and, and whatever. I mean, there's a million reasons, but there's a trend for lower deer populations. A lot of areas are, are, have suffered for their balanced age structure. Minnesota is a, a, a case, case in point there. 20, 30 years ago, number one in the BNC rankings, I think yeah. maybe it was 30 years ago. Now, now they're a complete joke. I mean, it's a complete disaster in Minnesota. And that's an army of people that are like, I watched it. I watched it go from great to abs- to an absolute disaster. And on top of the disaster, you have nowhere to hunt. It's it's largely locked up unless you go to the, the great big north woods where there is no deer. So nobody's going to lock that up because there's no deer. But the southern half of Minnesota, it's all locked up. It's leased. You can't get permission. So what I would say to people is, is on certain metrics, access, quality of hunting, um, the amount of the balance age structure where there's mature animals. I'm not talking like trophies, like I want 200s everywhere. I'm just talking balance age structure, the, just having a few mature bucks on your land or, or a mature buck to chase. Those metrics, ha- the trajectory has gone the wrong way for 20 years. That would be my argument substantiated by a whole lot of evidence now what i will warn people or say to people if we don't fix this the next 20 years you will not recognize hunting we will ruin this and i mean it will look very much like europe like africa where it is all leased up it is all pay to play it is all you go through an outfitter and there's some other things you're going to see and just just for the fun of it i'll just tell you another one 20 years ago, you never heard the words high fence. Like, I'm going to high fence my neighbor. I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm just saying you never heard it. Now I hear, guys, that neighbor sucks. I'm going to high fence him. And a lot of times, there's two sides to every story. Well, you're gonna. here's one little prediction I'll make. In 20 years, you'll say, hey, that guy high fenced this side. He high fenced that side. Eventually, people are going to go, the hunting sucks so bad. I'm just going to high fence the whole thing and there will be more uh, high fence quote unquote hunting farms across the whole Midwest. Guys are going to throw in the towel and they're going to say, you know what? I'm tired of battling my neighbors. I'm tired of battling the regulations and I don't necessarily blame them for this. It's, it's reactionary to what's going on. I'm just, whether you like it or not is irrelevant. It's going to happen. What you are going to see is more guys that say, I'll just high fence the whole dang thing. Then I have, I am immune from the regulations. Now I'm not saying every farm will be high fence, but I'm saying you watch the prevalency of that grow. And that's just a symptom. It's just a reflection of all the problems we have right now. And it is crying out for a change in direction. And we must have a change in direction. And for me, if we don't have a change in direction, it won't impact me one bit. It'll impact my kids. It'll impact my grandkids. It'll impact the guys in their 20s. It'll impact the new hunters. And even your everyday hunter, 
I want them to have a good quality experience. This has nothing to do with me. I want them to have a good quality experience. I would like guy like to see guys in good states say, you know what? It's not like there's mature bucks all over the place, but I can hunt one. And that there's a biological argument for that, saying having a hierarchy of age structure, having a diversity of age structure of bucks, different age classes, that is a biologically sound herd. Having all year and a half and two and a half do all the breeding and all of them get gunned down every year, that is not good science. It's not good biology and it's not good for the hunters. It's not a good model. It doesn't work. It's yeah, not any change. Yeah. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. And that's what you have in, you know, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, New York, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has gotten a little better. Um, even some pockets of Missouri. Uh, I mean, you cross, I'm, I'm 10 miles from Missouri. You cross that line, looks exactly the same. It is a disaster, unmitigated disaster. Now, is it better than, you know, where I came from, Michigan? Of course it is. But you cross that line, and it is night and day difference. Night and day. Same, same thing when you go into Nebraska. Night and day difference. Yeah, if Missouri didn't have so much timber, they'd be, if they didn't have so much deer numbers, they'd be in, in deep water um, just because they're, their regulations are wild, man. They can they can hunt a long time. Everything goes. Yeah, everything goes. You, they have a rifle season that's incredibly long, all strung together, landowners. Then they got a, a late alternative season that's long. You know, I mean, everything's um, pretty wide open down there. Um, one so, thing- so two sides of that. I mean, one side, um, if I wanted to ruin Iowa, I would adopt Missouri's regulations, period. I would just say, Missouri, what are you guys doing? Okay, rifles out November 10. Okay, we'll do that. Oh, yeah. crossbows for everybody. Uh, oh, two bucks over the counter for non-residents. Anybody can come here, cheat non-resident tags. I would just copy Missouri, and Iowa would be absolutely ruined in a matter of one to two years. It'd be devastated. Now, on the flip side, if Missouri would copy a few of Iowa's regulations. That state would be the number one state in the country for everybody, yeah. not for the dude that has 500 acres. No, it would be great across that whole state. And if you're the dude that just wants to shoot a buck, you can still do it, but there'll be enough left where you also nearly, holy cow, the aid structure is great. The quality is great. The, the herd is balanced and you can still control deer numbers. I mean, we control deer numbers probably to our detriment, overly so, um, and that's one of their main concerns. But but having a rifle season November 10 or 7 or 12 or whatever it falls on is madness. It's crazy. Missouri could be the best state for all of its residents if they change two things. Move the gun season back. That's the most important. And then go to one buck, which, you know, uh, the gun season is clearly more important, but if they did those two things, <laughs> Missouri would be insanely good for everybody. Yeah, there's and that a, need yeah. to lock it up would subside a lot. There's a few counties there um, in Missouri that have a four-point restriction, um, and you can just see, like, when you hunt those counties, it's just so much better with just that one restriction um, on it than it was, you know, than it is other places. Um, it's just wild the difference of that one rule makes, you know, and, and if most people, I mean, if people want to kill a buck 
I mean, four points on one side, it's, you know, at least a three-year-old, maybe two-and-a-half-year-old, you know. But, I mean, at least it's getting some kind of age structure on them. But I think it kind of only only people that want to kill bigger deer want to hunt that county because they know that rule's there. A guy that just wants yeah. to go out and get, you know, a meat buck or wants to enjoy a hunt, he's not going to go to that county because he's going to have to pass a smaller buck that he would shoot somewhere else. Um, I want a meat. I want a meat buck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which, what I hear. You can yeah. eat the horns. Yeah, what I what why, I hear a lot around here, and you know, one, why don't you shoot a doe then? Yeah, exactly. One thing <laughs> I wanted to talk to you just about, you know, Illinois here is there's something that has been going around that they've brought up multiple times, and um, this is like you said, one one law could have such an impact either whether they change it or they don't change it. They wanted to open Illinois up earlier, like September fifteenth. And I don't think, I don't, people understand how detrimental that would be to the deer herd the first two or three years that happened. Because if you go out September 15th and look, there's bucks out in bean fields like they're not being hunted. They have no idea. No, they're completely stupid. Yeah. They're so, very patternable. They're very yeah, stupid. They're, they're very, awesome. I would say, yeah. quote unquote, fairly easy to hunt. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're hitting scrapes in September 15th. They're, all bunch up together. They're in food. They're in food plots together. They're in bean fields an hour before dark. I mean, it would be everybody. Everybody would love it because they'd be killing bucks, you know. But the main thing that I think is the miss about a lot of this is people think the laws are for them to improve their hunting. But like you said, a lot of times the law is not for them. It's because someone's paid someone to get the law in there so they can make money on it. Um, yeah. and that's where the misconception is, is they're like, Oh, state's going to let me use, you know, uh, you know, pistol rifle cartridges in Illinois. That's great. Well, there's a reason they passed that law and it wasn't to improve your hunting chances, you know, cause right. once people got to looking into that law, they're like, well, these gun, these guns can really only shoot the same distance as my, the guns we already have, you know? And then you're like, yeah, oh, you, you yeah. can dig a little bit and just a little bit of common sense you're like oh it's this gun group that's pushing this yeah, law yeah yeah and that's what a lot of people don't realize they're thinking oh the state's gonna open up another another thing for me to do but they don't understand that the state's getting paid to do this but the state spins it as oh look at this great thing we're doing for the hunters um and then they always do the same thing like you said we're opening this up because the deer numbers are too high. We need to herd management and blah, blah, blah. But they don't say we're also getting this huge incentive from these gun groups or this gun companies that are saying, hey, why don't you guys open this up? Or like you said, the crossbow companies, why don't you guys open it up all states so more people will buy crossbows and then you can lower the deer herd population. And also here's all this money, you know, and it's just the misconception of, like you said, the hunting industry that people don't see. They're thinking, oh, I can use a crossbow. Great. They're not thinking about anything else other than that, you know? Here's the change that states need to make. These bills are constantly brought up. This is not difficult for those special interests to get these bills made. There's a little political donation, hiring a lobbyist, not complex stuff. Uh, very much worth it for them. And they're getting things done. Well, I would argue that the people who need to be getting things done are the serious hunter, the experienced hunter. The, the hunters period. I mean, when you look and you say, what does a gun, a gun group know about deer hunting? They don't know anything. They, they know guns. They're usually talking about second amendment. They're talking about, you know, uh, being harsher on gun criminals and stuff like that, whatever. 
and they you they get into deer hunting it's like you guys are out of your lane i'm all for the second amendment stuff i'm all for uh concealed carry stuff like that um you know fighting for our, our second amendment rights but but sorry guys you guys don't have any clue what you're talking about when it comes to putting those things in deer season just so you can sell more guns yeah. stay in your lane and and those gun groups get, and there's a dozen others like them you know it's just it's it, it's a broke they're the reason you know those special groups are the reason that the hunting has got trashed um you know and you know, just like farm, farm bureau here you know kill all the deer yeah no, well I, I hate i don't know why the farmers they have such a drive to the farm bros have such a drive to lower the deer population you know yeah and i get to talk to somebody high up at farm bureau and they're like listen dude that policy yeah well it comes from about 12 angry guys 12 farmers 12 yeah 12 well what what's the deal well they have crop damage okay do you realize it could be raccoons uh just go down the list. I mean, yeah. you know, high, you start, high, high chances raccoons. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then you start going, where are these guys? And you start just looking at where they're at. And, and they're in, a lot of them are in actually fairly low deer density areas. And part of it, I got even the guy in Farm View, I said, do you ever think that a handful of these guys just want to complain? They just want something to complain about. Yeah, that's true. There's yeah, there's like there's a weird <laughs> thing about there's not a lot of farmers that are deer hunters. There is some, but if you talk to a farmer, he's like, "No, I can't deer hunt. I'm busy farming." You know, during okay, that time, so, you know. So I just I think those heads butt, you know, and and uh, I don't know why it is, but that's just how how it's been, you know. So we offered a solution in Iowa, and basically a lot of it was educational based, ba- being like, "Okay, there's 12 angry farmers." Yep. Okay, how many of them do you think just want to complain? I can think of a handful. Okay, so what are we left with? Six, seven, eight of them? Yeah. Okay, so they're driving the policy for the whole state because you guys are saying kill all the deer. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, let's put any economic value on their crop damage. One, they could lease out their land. I don't like it, but, I mean, no, I, I actually don't care in that example. They could lease out their ground and make make their crop damage up losses and, and i farm so i it's not like i don't understand this stuff i farm and i have crop damage it's not that much the the values on crop damage are not near what people think so that is a huge misconception and i farm in fairly high deer density areas and my crop damage losses sometimes significant but still it's peanuts. If I'm just being honest, it's peanuts. I could make it up if I leased one farm out or whatever. Um, I, I could make that difference up so easily. Then I said, listen, we have a depredation tag program for these angry guys. They can have the biologists come to their farm and say, okay, looks like you do have legitimate crop damage from deer, not raccoons. Will it? How many tags do you want? 10, 15? Okay, here you go. Solution done. They also can enroll their ground in walk-in hunting and get incentives from the state. Like get there's there's all sorts of different perks they can get from doing that. Um, and then another thing they can do: every DNR officer in Iowa has a standing list of people who are like, 
hey, Mr. DNR officer, if you have anybody you run across with deer problems, uh, we would love to come out and shoot does. So every DNR officer has a list of people who just want to shoot does. So any one of these angry farmers could be calling the DNR and saying, and having a group of guys there the next day just to shoot does. Um, and then, you know, I mean, and then there, there's more things than that. Even we talked about this, like, let's put a, if you're ticked off about the deer, which is a very few number, but I'm calling your bluff here, but we will offer another solution yet. So on the DNR's website, Hey, there's a link to, you know, uh, Angry Farmers of Iowa, big banner. You click on it, and it'll have, you know, the, the names and addresses and the farms of the angry farmers that want all the deer shot. And the public can look at this, and you can invite the public to come out and shoot those pesky deer. I mean, there's infinite solutions with this, right? And, you know, so it's like, okay, so there's five tools, five tools I just listed. But instead of utilizing the five tools, you want to just throw tags at everybody across the whole state. How does that make any sense? And the answer is it doesn't. Makes, so it, let's makes it more it. money. You know, that's the only, that's the only thing that is, you know, as a positive to that is they see, they see more money, but same thing. happens. Well, here. they do, yeah. they do, but, but let's flush out the financials of this. Let's look at the economics of deer hunting and let's look at what the resident hunters, not non-residents because non-residents, are buying their equipment, they're buying their vehicles, they're buying all their stuff in their home state. But the residents, they're buying their bow and arrows here, they're buying their guns here, they're buying their tags here, they're paying income taxes here. Um, they're, they're spending all their money here. And you look at the, in, the economy, the economic impact of resident hunters, it's astounding. Millions and millions and millions, countless millions of dollars. And the more you drive these people out because they're like, yeah, dude, I'm not hunting. There's no deer. This guy killed everything. And, you know, this whole area, they eradicated the deer. They wiped them out, which happens all over in Iowa. There's a lot of areas with no deer. Well, you force those resident hunters to just say, I'm done. I quit. That's There's a huge economic impact from that. So, again, it's short-sighted politics where they don't understand this they don't realize it and when you talk to them about it then they do and you educate them that's that's what we do you know and that's what we're doing is having these discussions and they're like oh yeah and very easy stuff it's just that they've never heard from hunters before you know they've heard from the iba uh here but um you know now in the last couple of years the the sleeping giant has awoken in Iowa and they're hearing from hunters left and right. I mean, there's a huge movement here to, to improve things and not let things get ruined. I mean, at a very basic level, don't ruin our state. Well, they hear from hunters all the time now and they're like, we're thankful for this. We never used to hear from hunters. All we heard from was special interests and I don't hunt. I don't know anything about hunting and this special interest would say, well, we can make a few dollars here. We can improve this here. And I just heard one side of it. So they love hearing from hunters. And hunters absolutely can make a difference in any state. Is it going to be overnight, uh, you know, snap your fingers and fix things? No, it's not. And Illinois uniquely is probably one of the most stubborn, broken states out there. I mean, you know, look at Chicago politics. I mean, your yeah. state's a mess. It is. Your state is run by Cook County. Yep. Uh, your state is an unmitigated disaster. 
Yep. Uh, <laughs> 100%. I, so, I live here, and the only reason I I'm live sorry. here is because my wife's family live here. That's the only yeah, reason. Yeah, it's no bad for you. Yeah, <laughs> yep. You know, Illinois, New York, California. I mean, it's, it's awful. But if you don't live in Illinois, California, New York, you have a chance to get things done. And even in Illinois, you could get things done. You'd need to hire a lobbyist, which isn't that much money. People inflate what they say lobbyists cost, like hundreds of thousands. It's not like a, tens of thousands of dollars. And a group of guys could fund it if you found a few well off guys or a couple hundred guys that could pitch in a little bit. You could fund a lobbyist. Yeah. And if you hired a lobbyist and got a group together, you absolutely could start making progress. I'm not saying guaranteed fix it overnight. It's going to be easy, but. Even in Illinois, things can change, and it, and I'm not saying it will or by you know this will happen by this period, but um, organized group of guys with a hired lobbyist, um, you guys could start making a difference. Nothing, nothing to happen unless you try, you know. So whether you absolutely, say, yeah, you say oh, well, nothing, nothing to ever happen, so why even try? Well, you just made sure nothing was ever going to happen. Yeah. Well, deer hunters aren't wired like that. I mean, yeah. we're, we're the people that want to try that. Yeah. Hey, let's give it a shot. Let's, you know, my odds aren't great, but I would say if you do it right, your odds are actually pretty darn good. But it's like, you know, Hey, I want to go out and shoot a, a giant fully mature deer. Well, my odds are, are low. Yeah. Well, getting stuff passed is far greater. Uh, getting things improved. The chances are far greater than that. And we're people that are, you know, we're okay with taking risks and saying, I'm going to put my time in and eventually it'll pay off. And that's what hunting is, right? Um, well, fixing states is the same way. I, w I would argue it's faster and easier in some regards. Yeah, um, that's one thing that, you know, you could get a whole bunch of people. You know, hunting's kind of become a thing where everybody's kind of working for themselves, trying to kill the buck. And, you know, when you when you get a whole bunch of guys together that have that mindset, you can you can make some, some stuff happen. You know. Yeah, and and twenty years ago, if you would ask me, you think things could change in X Y Z state? I'd be like, nah, pretty hard. Now I'm a hundred and eighty degrees different. I've never seen a hunger amongst huge amounts of hunters to be like, we have to change the direction. I'm tired of seeing my state ruined. I'm tired of another hunting season being a disaster. I'm tired of all these issues. I'm tired of the government regulations the, give them give the hunters everything every weapon every season four months long of the year's hunting season kill them all uh everything's tied up people are tired of this and that that really stubborn generation you know when i was a kid even into my 20s i'd look at them and say you're the 40 year olds the 50 year olds that are stubborn well they're out of the picture now and it's the people that you know, are my age, 45 and, you know, 20 and 30 and, you know, even some guys older, but that stubborn generation is kind of, you know, they're not in charge anymore. It's us. And I've never seen thousands and thousands of people that are like, I want to join in. How can I help? Um, I, wa I want to fix my state. I want to see things improved. I want to see the, the hunting quality be better. I want to leave things 
better for the next generation. I don't like the trend. I mean, there's there's a revolution brewing. I I, I can feel it to my core, um, and I and I live it. I mean, I get contacted daily, daily, multiple times on on people organizing and and fixing things and making progress in states. Um, things are not stagnant. Things are happening. And there's certain groups in certain states that are making actually really big strides and they're getting organized. And, um, so, you know, that part is extremely positive. And listen, you know, I'm out at my farm. I love it. I love what I do. 90% of my life is positive. So if I come across like a crank <laughs> or, you know, Debbie Downer or, yeah, I'm just, I, You're just you know, yeah. I, this topic, you know, it's kind of got a negative tint to it. Mm. And you, you get me talking on habitat and stuff like that. That's, you know, I love that stuff. That's, that's fun. And I mean, and I love deer hunting. You know, I'm a very positive person, but, but it's kind of like, you know, when, when people are out there to exploit you, to, to screw over the hunters, I'll just mm. say it. Yeah. To screw over the hunters, you should be kind of ticked off. And I think that's appropriate. And so a little bit of like, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of you guys ruining it. I'm tired of the politicians ruining it. I'm tired of the DNR going along with it. Uh, I'm tired of the broken system. That's good. That motivates people. And that motivates people to change. And there's a whole lot of people. There's an, there is an army of people, an army, that are like, we want things to change. This could be better. This needs to be better. And, you know, getting them to, to agree on what it is, that's a tough part. You're <laughs> never going to have a group of hunters agree on 100% of things. No. Not going to happen. That's why you need to start simple and, you know, get the low-hanging fruit. You know, moving a gun season back has to happen. And, well, we don't want to move the gun season back, but, you know, if you, you have to go for some of those fundamental things. And maybe it's not year one. Maybe it's like, you know, listen. It may take three years. We may have to do a lot of events and post things on Instagram and Facebook and do YouTube videos. Oh, this is not hard stuff. Um, and educate people on why it would be better if we did that. That stuff might take, take, take some time, but if you don't fix some fundamentals like that, some of these states, you know, it, it's not that that's, that's the number one thing that's killing them like Missouri. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, mean, you, I, I leave, I go to Missouri to the family farm down there and leave some of the, you know, the best hunting times here. And they're like, well, what are you leaving for? I'm like, I don't think you understand how, like the way their rifle season lands, it's like dead center of the best time to, to hunt. <laughs> you know, it's just that opening weekend. It's always, if you get any kind of weather, man, it's just, you know, some of the best hunts you're going to have the whole entire year during rifle season where you can, people are killing deer 600 yards down there. It's just madness. Yeah, it's insane. It's madness, it's insane. dude. Yeah, it's well, madness. While they're doing that, I still have three to four weeks of bow hunting by me. It's peaceful. It's quiet. <laughs> and yeah. and guess what? During gun season, you have plenty of opportunities to kill things. Plenty. But the dumb young bucks are not running around like lunatics. Um, but it's like it's not like they, they vanish. I mean, we have we kill a lot of deer in Iowa with guns. We just but the bow hunters don't get screwed out of, you know, three weeks of season. You know, we have three weeks of fantastic season all the way through November into the first week of December. You can bow hunt, and it's fantastic. You know, and as a bow hunter, which is 
really all I do. I mean, I've done on a little, but not seriously. Um, you know, I, I'd be like, man, I got a, I got a month of really good hunting in November all the way till the day gun season starts. And the guys in Missouri, I'm like, Oh, it's December, whatever, 10. Oh, you're done. Your bow hunting is over. And maybe you could do some after. It's usually a joke. Um, but no, everybody wins. I mean, the gun hunters can still gun hunt. They'll be wildly successful. A couple of years into it, they'll shoot bigger deer. Uh, they'll have no issues, just like in Kansas. You know, I mean, gun hunting's huge in Kansas. You just got to wait till December to do it, and guys shoot giants. It's a great system. Do they have their problems with bait and, you know, probably letting in too many non-residents and a few other things? Yeah, they do. Um, but... I mean, considerably better than Missouri. And I mean, Missouri, like I said, 10 minutes from me, maybe 15. I, I get invites to go hunt Missouri. Hey, man, come hunt my farm. I won't go there. I'm, I, no, thank you. Tell me how tell me how it goes. Well, you know, we're here, over here. We'll shoot a good three-year-old. They come to Iowa and they're like, well, we want to shoot five or six-year-olds. Just mm-hmm. crossing that magic line. Yeah. I, can, I can hunt there every year. I will, I will never hunt Missouri. No. In the same breath, I'd love to see them become great and, you know, for the people that live there, for the pressure it would take off from Iowa. And, you know, it's not about bragging rights, clearly, but Missouri would trounce Iowa for giant deer. I mean, it, it would destroy us. Yeah, the habitat's and, insane down there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Great. The, the, everything you need, yeah. is, it's perfection. The state would, and there's so much more of it than Iowa. Yeah, so much you know? timber down there. And, I mean, timber, ag mix, river bottoms. Perfection. I mean, it's just great. But one thing, I grew up in Missouri bow hunting. That's where I, you know, grew up. And, man, the one thing that I always really dis- disliked um, was the state aids to the gun hunters so much, which I gun hunt um, as well, but you could only kill one buck with a bow before gun season. And that's still a law. So you could kill one buck with a bow before gun. So from the first day of bow season, you kill a buck. You're done until gun season. And then you can bow hunt after gun season. So they try to make it where there's bucks around during the gun season and limit the bow tag sales to where you can, okay, you can kill two bucks, but you can kill one with a bow. Then you can rifle hunt if you want, but then you can kill one after rifle season with a bow. I'm like, that makes zero sense to me. <laughs> if you got so, a guy that wants to bow hunt, let him go out there. Okay, he killed a buck off his farm. Now you're going to make him wait until rifle season? It's just crazy. It, so my, my response won't be as popular. I mean, guys have to get on board, have to, to move this gun season back. It is absolute lunacy. It, it has no biological basis for it. It's, it's madness um, having this the gun seasons in the middle of the rut. So that's the one where I'm like, everybody, you got to unite on this. You have to. Now, the one where I'm not going to get as many folks to unite, I would still make the case. People can disagree with me. Like I said, no, no group of hunters is going to agree on, you know, the majority. Well, on, on everything, right? I mean, if I can get people to agree with 80%, you know, I feel like, geez, we're, we're doing the right thing. Yeah, nobody's going to agree with the hunter. But I would adamantly say, why Why do you need to shoot more than one buck, really? And when Missouri says, 
well, we're worried about our deer population. Okay. So as a hunter, I can shoot my buck. I got a buck that has, you know, that's my trophy. That's got the antlers. That's the, the, the cool factor, whatever you want to say, whatever the reason you shoot a buck. Okay. And then, you know, you can shoot what? Three, five, 10, whatever it is, amount of does for the freezer. What I would argue is shooting one buck. So you'd be like, hey, man, here's my buck. Look at this thing. It's great, you know, antlers. And then you get all the meat you want to fill your freezer. How isn't that enough? And, and that's, I'm not going to get a full consensus on that among hunters, but I would just pose that question. How isn't that enough for everybody? To me, it is. And, and I would say it should be enough when we're trending in the wrong direction. We're trending with lack of access. And, and, you know, there's some benefits to one buck. You know, guy tags out, it's going to free spots up. Guys are going to be more pickier. And, you know, they're going to be, they're going to pass deer they wouldn't have otherwise shot. Um, you know, it, it will probably lift the whole system up, lift the whole balance age structure up and, and the whole, quality of the hunting experience to where people won't feel the pressure to lock stuff up as badly and hey i'm one buck you know and maybe i don't need to lease five farms because it is one buck you know and yeah you know i just think it would fix a lot of problems if people would be a little bit open-minded to that and i would you know and i get it well you're taking away things from me really you really need to shoot two bucks and if you really need to shoot two bucks maybe go to another state and you know go on another hunt then but when you can shoot one buck and then you can shoot as many as you need to fill your freezer, you know, the whole, I, I hunt to eat, you know, I, you can't eat the horns, whatever. Um, and you literally could stock your whole freezer with, with does. I just, I, I just have a hard time saying or asking somebody, how, how isn't that enough? To me it is, but I'm, I'm not everybody. That's why, you know, it's hard for, to get a group of people to agree on things. But if you really think of the dynamics of what one buck does on locking up parcels, on making people picky, on taking a lot of guys, especially in high pressure States where things are locked up or there's a lot of people and you're like, okay, you shot your buck. You're out, dude, you're done. You got your buck and you know, be pickier then, or, you know, but, but then it frees up access, which is a common theme in every one of our Midwestern states, and it's the number one reason, based on almost any DNR, maybe maybe a few exceptions, but it's generally non- the number one data point on why hunters are quitting the sport. You know, I don't have a quality place to go. I do, I do not have access to land. I don't have access to even decent quality land, and that's what's driving hunters out. And if we want to say, well, yep, let's make things so crappy that hunters quit because I want hunters to quit, it's not a good way to go about it. It's not the right way to solve the problem. Yeah. I like that. I've never heard someone talk about it like that. You know, it's going to free up more ground, even if you hunted public ground. I mean, there's going to be, you know, a lot less guys on there. If there's one buck, because a lot of people might think that the quality of buck ain't there that they want to shoot for one. And for two, like you said, if they've already shot a buck, then they're going to be, you know, probably done. Um, so I've always liked the fact that I was two bucks because you could hunt longer, you know. Um, but I definitely agree that it would change dynamics of people leasing so much ground. Because um, a lot of people lease ground around here, I, I swear to it, 
they don't even kill deer. Like, they're hunters. They don't kill very much. They just lease stuff so other people don't kill stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's just like, I mean, you got 2,800 acres and you're two guys, you know, in nine, nine or ten different farms. How can you officially hunt any of it? You can't, but you can keep other people off of it. Here's the change in mindset we must, that must happen with hunters. The, well, I want to shoot two bucks. Yeah, it probably would be better for the system, though, if it was one. We have to think beyond ourselves. And even if I wanted to shoot one, two bucks, like, man, I, I'm going to be honest. I want to shoot two bucks. But the more people that can say, you know what? I want to shoot two bucks, but I know it's the right thing to do to go to one buck. I can see the benefits. And it's not just about me. The world isn't me, me, me. And for a lot of people in this world, the world is me, 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 me. What about me? That's cool for me. You're screwing me. I want me. Stuff for me. The less we can, the more people that are like, you know, I get it. The me factor is part of it, but I'm going to think beyond myself. And I'm going to think what really is the best thing for the resource? What is the best thing for all the problems we face as hunters, for all this access, for the quality, for the balance age structures? Could I give something up for the betterment of, of, of everything and, you know, for everybody and the whole system and the resource? You know, we don't have to just rape the resource every year. And if folks can say, you know what, I can give that up. I guess I could, I could survive on one buck in 10 does. Yeah. And you know what, if I needed a second buck, man, I'll go drive to Illinois and shoot one. Yeah. And I'll go drive to Kentucky and yeah, I'll drive I to uh, I agree. whatever. That, if you really want to yeah. shoot two bucks, then go travel and do it. Mm-hmm. There's not been a lot of years that I have shot two bucks. But when I've had, when I look back at the year, it's not like some great giant success anyways. You know, you're like, oh, you know, another buck. Um, but I bet you if you ask anybody, said, hey, would you rather have, you know, a chance at a really solid, you know, age class buck every year or kill two bucks? You know, like, I mean, because it, it's going to improve the hunting to where you're going to have more encounters with, with deer. It's just proven fact. You know, the states that do it. You look at Ohio, even with all their you know, problems with what they got going on. And you look at how many giants are killed out of there every year. It just gets more and more and more, it seems like, you know? Yeah, I think, I think Indiana went from, and this is about age structure. It's not, I mean, you know, and with age comes giant antlers, right? Yeah. But it's good to have older bucks. If you look at Indiana, I think they were like, whatever, 20 or 15 or 18 out of, out of 50 for DNC rankings. Five years after they went to one buck, I think they went to like number four. So they were like, let's just call, I'm making this up, but let's just say they were number 18. Five, five years later, they were number four. Their age structure got enhanced greatly for all of those reasons, because guys got pickier. They said, yeah, you know, maybe I won't shoot that buck. Maybe I'll wait for something a little bit older, a little bit bigger, whatever. And, you know, and then guys weren't out shooting two bucks i mean one and done and um and it just it just gave the deer a little bit of breathing room to get some age on them and that state got enhanced greatly now you know there's some downsides too they kept their rifle season at kind of a i think it's at a pretty stupid time and good old mike pence put uh signed rifles in when it used to be shotgun only yeah uh i never thought he was real sharp and that one (laughs) solidified it for me (laughs) Um, 
So, you know, they, they've got some dumb things they did, they've, they've done, but if they move that gun season to December 1 and kept it one buck, Indiana would be <laughs> night and day better than Iowa. Yeah. yeah, it'd be amazing. And it's already darn, it's way better than it used to be. And all these states that say, well, we have an army of hunters. And listen, we have an army of hunters in Iowa. It's, and we just have such little habitat and such few deer. We got a ton of dudes hunting. Every parcel, you know, full of guys. Um, but it's good. Uh, so it's really not even about population density. It's about the regulations. And you look at these places like, well, we got millions of guys that hunt. And, and I'll go back to my three, three states that I keep mentioning, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, um, whatever. Uh, you've got an army of guys, yet you leave it two bucks, and may, yeah. maybe not all of them are two bucks. Maybe Minnesota's one, but Michigan's two, Wisconsin's two. But you have an army of people. Uh, why is it two bucks? It makes no sense with with that kind of hunter population. Why why you can't go to one buck um, when you have that kind of hunter density is mind boggling. And the answer is they should be going to one buck. Period. I mean, it's the right thing to do, and it's the, it's based on science, based on biology, based on, you know, the the amount of people that live there, the hunting pressure, based on all the trends on how many people are quitting hunting. I mean, in Michigan, 25 years, 25 years, a third of the hunters have quit. They said, this sucks. I got nowhere to go. The places I do go suck. Uh, you guys have given me every weapon known to man, every season known to man. What's happened? A third of the hunters have quit. Some people like that. I personally don't think that's the right path for us. Yeah, more hunters, less deer taken would be, you know, the the best case scenario. Not even deer, just less less bucks. Because let's be honest, there's there's meat hunters out there, but a, I want to say even a meat hunter wants to kill a nice buck. There's no one out there that's hunting that's like, oh whatever if a big deer comes out they're going to be excited to take it you know so no doubt yeah so yeah every, four every, point walks out yeah in a in a 150 walks out yeah there's I mean, not one guy out there all the guys that say you can't eat horns the trophies in the eye of the beholder all the silly things that they they use to justify shooting a, a very young deer that's easy to kill not one of those guys would shoot that four point Every single guy that makes those statements or just hunt for meat would would shoot the one fifty. Yeah, I agree. You know, whether what whether whether what they say, they get in that situation, they're not they're not shooting that four point over there and they they say they're not a trophy hunter, which is fine. They do they got their own. But thing. if they're not a trophy hunter, why are they shooting a buck? Why yeah, not shoot a doe? Exactly. I don't know. You know, it's just like it's a a never ending cycle where I think it's Sometimes it's just what people say, just like those farmers. You know, they just kind of complain about something. Oh, you know? I know why they yeah. say it. I mean, I listen. I don't. I don't buy what they're saying. Well, you can't eat horns. Trophies in the bag. The whole. No, no. You, you, you just needed to shoot something, and you need to justify it. And you can't. You don't have the hunting skills to to hunt mature deer, in, or even the older deer for your area. And you're just justifying it to yourself by saying those statements because there's no logic that adds up here. It is just, I, I need to justify it and make myself feel better for shooting another year and a half of buck. I'm, 
50 years old and I shoot two of them every single year. I'm not excited to do it. And I met these guys when I was younger. They'd shoot these, these four points and they'd, they just look at them and they weren't excited. They'd cut the horns off, nail them on the garage wall. I mean, they weren't even, they weren't one bit thrilled to do it. And I'm like, and then that caught my attention at a young age. I'm like, you're not excited? Well, I've, I've shot 50 of them like this. I just got to get my buck, though. Yeah, why do you Why do you got to get your buck? I don't know. Just always have got to get it. And they weren't They weren't excited to do it. Yeah. Well, so. Kind of sad, you know, <laughs> man. It's like there's there's different ways to do it. And I've, I've been, you know, known to be like, man, I got to, you know, I like to kill bucks every single year and this year i didn't kill last year i got close to not killing and killed late and this year i was like i was finally grown enough to go okay i'm not going to shoot anything smaller than what i want to shoot and i just i had deer but i just didn't even hunt them i'm like no not what i want first time my entire life i was finally like okay i'm okay with not killing anything killing a buck and not shooting a lower age class deer, smaller rack deer that I don't want. And, and, and there's, you know, there's something, there's a huge consensus with that among hunters and people, people say there's all this division, like you're buck shaming somebody. You're talking down about this guy. I, I mean, I think that is so overblown. If a kid, if a kid shoots a little year and a half old buck, I don't ever, I, I can't think of a time I've heard somebody you know, buck shame a kid. Everybody's like, good job, man. And if I did hear it, I'd be like, come on, don't, don't give the kid crap. I did it. I shot a year and a half old bucks when I started. That was all that was there. Um, but I don't think anybody has a problem with that. And nobody's saying like, well, you need to, the whole country, you need to shoot six and a half year old bucks and older. Nobody's saying that. They're just saying, Hey, whatever your area holds for deer, you know, strive to shoot the older age class of that area. It's better. And what they're really saying is let's do some things to our state through regulations or through working together, through working with my neighbors. So we have more of these older age class. And maybe guys are like, listen, you know, one and two year olds, there's quite a few of those. Let's try and agree to shoot three year olds. Can you agree to that? Yeah, I'll agree to that. Whatever it is, whatever is, you know, advancing or just trying to make things a little bit better instead of being like, no, every year and a half old, you see, gun them down. Two and a half year old, gun them down. Um, you know, people are just trying to get, improve that. But it's as simple as I can say, you know, it's not like, hey, I got to have two hundreds all over the place. It's not like I, there's every year has got to be five and a half to people shoot. It's, I'm not saying that whatsoever i'm just saying different states can improve they can improve their age structure whatever they're at they can have slightly better age structure there's things we can do to have a better balanced age structure in every single state it can happen and and everyone and the resource are better off for it 100 percent. i think that's a great way to wrap this up um before we get off here let people know where they can find you, where they can find uh, the the Iowa Bow Hunters Association, and how they can get involved. So Iowa Bow Hunters Association, uh, you can Google it. They have a website. You can also find them on Facebook. The Iowa Sportsman's Club, go to Facebook for them. Um, 
there is some links on Iowa Whitetail as well. But find Iowa Sportsman's Club on Facebook, and I know I'm missing a few. They might have their website out now. You can Google them as well. They're part of the um, Safari Club, uh, Dallas County Safari Club in Iowa. Um, I am on Iowa Whitetail, which is actually a website. Uh, and I'm, you know, my passion is hunting mature deer, habitat, working farms, conservation, soil health environment i mean i'm just this the, I, all sorts of other categories beyond this regulation yeah stuff. yeah there's your, your I, just, yeah your instagram and website is, is awesome man the amount of content that you put out for people like me that are still learning and uh and like i said you guys are backing it up too killing you know really big high age class deer um and uh pretty consistently so that's it's cool to see um and it's cool to see you know like you said you're the type of guy that everything you do you're highly passionate about it and just like this conversation i knew it was going to be a great one because you went right in like i thought you would so i really appreciate you coming on and and sharing this info so hopefully other people maybe they can't get involved in iowa because they don't live there but they get involved in other states or maybe just they're deer yeah this every state it's the same dynamic you know some states just have good regulations some have bad regulations some have this issue and that issue and well you don't understand we're way up north we got wolves and we got bad winters there's things you can do to make it better these are deer they're very similar in all these different states um and and they can be improved that's the fun the, the fundamental point i'm making um but iowa whitetail also the website check that out uh Again, not promotional at all. It's not about money at all. Zero. It cost me money, actually. And then the Instagram and Facebook, I don't even know what I'm doing. I I posted on Instagram and Facebook. I never even logged on to that stuff till maybe a year ago. Yeah, I I Uh, like it, man. You do a great job because a lot of it's kind of scripted and whatever. And yours is just like, here, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to be doing something while I'm talking about it. And this is what it's going to be. And I think that's, that's what I like to see. And I think that's what, a Oh, I, yeah, there's like no, yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. no scripts with yeah, me. Yeah, me. I'm either, just like, yeah. Hey, this sounds, this is cool. I bet people could learn from this. Yeah. And I just, whatever comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth, yeah. which is a double-edged sword. I got to be a little careful, <laughs> a little measured, but I, I'm definitely unfiltered. Uh, I, I think people will pick that up. Uh, I'm very unfiltered. I'm, I say what I think. Um, and, and I also think about things too, you know, but I'm not, I'm not a loose cannon. I mean, when I go to the Capitol or debate things or deal with legislators and lobbyists, I can't be a maniac. Um, I'm very respectful, but, uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, you check out Instagram for me. I can look at Instagram for about five minutes a day and then and then my brain hurts and yeah. i want to pour bleach into my eyes uh because it just drives me nuts it's pretty wild out there <laughs> yeah i mean you know if there if there's certain things i do follow where it's like hey you're helping people uh you are out providing information you're this is cool this is unique or funny you know i like that stuff on there the other part where it's like, look at me, look at me, look at me, you know, just spotlight on me. Look at, look at my life. I'm, I, that stuff drives me nuts. Uh, so I can only take so much Instagram and Facebook, but I will post, I don't know, once or twice a week. 
um, sometimes more if it's planting season or I have planting tips for people or, or tree stuff or whatever deer strategy, you know, if it's that time of year, I'll post more, but whenever I get to it, it's nothing I take too, too seriously at all. But yeah, I guess you can check it out. I think it's Iowa underscore whitetail. I don't, you know, this stuff better than I do. Yeah. That's where I found you. Yeah. So well, I really appreciate you coming on and I knew you were, you had a long day, but you uh, really put out some awesome content for my listeners and, Hopefully everybody learns a bunch, and uh, I'll let you get along with your night here. 10-4. Appreciate it.